What does a pharmacist do? Well, most people might answer that a pharmacist dispenses the medications that my doctor prescribes. Now, I work with a ton of great pharmacists, and one thing that I don't generally see is excitement about pills in a vial. And this is probably because pharmacists have been trained to do so much more. So what can you get excited about in your community? To find out, let's go Beyond the Scripts. Hey everyone, welcome back to Beyond the Scripts. I'm your host, Will Tuft, the Director of Education over at Pioneer RX. And today we have uh, another special guest, Josh Remini is joining us. Now, one of the things that I've noticed throughout um, you know, my time uh, with pharmacists is that so much of what we do every day is really tre- treating symptoms and looking at the the result of a problem and and trying to you know treat symptomatically uh, when you can dive so much deeper and do those root cause analysis and and do like Simon Sinek says and start with why or do like uh, the Toyota uh, company does and ask the five whys and keep digging deeper to those root causes and really come to a better solution not just for the symptoms but what is that root cause of the problem? And one of the pharmacists out there who has been uh, really kind of leading the way and, and helping a lot of other pharmacists think a little bit differently about that treatment is Josh Remini. And that seems to be kind of the uh, underlying idea behind functional medicine, right? Yeah, that's yeah. – I got tingly when you started with that one. It's, <laughs> it's – uh, understanding that whole like pharmacy, how it relates to, you know, chronic conditions and chronic conditions when we treat drugs are really to mask the symptom of the disease or the condition, not really truly manage or reverse it in some cases. And so that's what really sparked my, over time, my, my vision on getting into and, and trying to get more and more into the why, not just, hey, this is functional medicine and this is what it's supposed to do, but it was really that lifelong passion of understanding the why. And in our profession, that, that makes true difference in people's lives. And so, yes, uh, functional medicine is, uh, it's the why of, it's the science behind the why. And that's what's really resonates with me is it's not just wellness where you can go find some guru in some place and find it. It's like there's science behind it. But so we have that backed by science approach to the why and really getting to that root root cause of somebody's why they're coming in our doors, really. You know, they're they're not coming in our door because they have a Prozac deficiency. You know, they're coming in and we're not repleting it with Prozac, right? We're, we're, we're treating the symptom of some mood disorder, some neurological thing, some neurotransmitter imbalance, but why is that happening? And that's what I think that allopathic traditional medicine approach only, because there's importance there, isn't enough for me. And I don't think it's it satisfies my need to really help the patient. Yeah. So what's what's interesting about that is even, you know, just a year ago, two years ago, uh, the term functional medicine was, uh, I don't know, less uh, less commonly used. And if you did a Google search for functional medicine, you actually came up with a lot of very, um, you know, kind of uh, non-traditional um uh, I, ideas and websites and blogs, you know, things that were much more kind of like, um, uh, I, I don't know, like, like crystals and, and, and incense and, 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 and things like that, uh, where, you know, really at its root, you know, uh, it seems like it's on the far left side of the spectrum, whereas clinical medicine would be over here, but really they're kind of addressing the exact same thing it's it's diving deeper understanding what's going on understanding the whys yeah i think it, and you still if you wikipedia functional medicine or ifm right now it's still like it's shady like in the definition it's like who who 
who authorized that? Because it's all backed by science. It can come backwards into, you can look it up. You just have to look in a different place. It's, it's very similar to when people say, well, vitamin C is not met, does not clinically approve for blank and blank. It's like, you're not looking in PubMed for vitamin C. You got to look somewhere else and here's all the data. And so it's an interesting point of view is both sides are trying to get to the same, you know, result, which is, diagnose, treat, and, and, and manage disease. It's just the pharma approach. I call it the RX evolution. You know, it started with acute problems. You could fix something with penicillin, right? You got an acute disease, you fixed it. And that approach became, well, what can we do for chronic conditions, which is very different from the standpoint is it's not healing the body, it's literally, like we said, blocking the symptom, which the definition of management to me is very different. And so when you look at that root, root cause, it all lately, especially with COVID and things like that, like everything starts to become complicated when it really could be more simple. And so I tend to not even use the word functional medicine or functional pharmacy. I kind of go functional wellness or lifestyle wellness because we're really talking about the simple things that we could do like with food uh, as medicine and really transforming lives with a simple approach. You don't need 800 SKUs of vitamins on your shelf to, because you know, then we start getting back into the this then that approach, which then goes right back. I call it, it's, it's green pharma. It's like you give all these supplements, but you're still hitting the masking of the symptom, not really getting down to the root, which generally is lifestyle integrative medicine, which is nutrition, uh, exercise and movement, relationships, stress, and sleep. Like when's the last time we talked to our patients about breathing right when that could lower their blood pressure 10 points? So we we tend we tend in this country to be so marketed towards pharma first that you go to the doctor and if he told you to breathe right and sleep right and gave you a prescription for that you'd you'd walk away unfulfilled because we we've, we've been told i have an ailment i need something on this little pad where i go to the drugstore and fix it and so trying to reframe things nowadays and that more simpler approach for people, I think is really resonating. And I think it's starting to pick up, like you said, functional is, it's 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 not mainstream. I don't think it ever will be. We just have a population that's just, but it's becoming more acceptable. I think, especially this new, these new generations that are coming in, they really want prevention. They don't want to get to the point where their parents are where they are. And so that pill for the ill approach is, really becoming more mainstream because science is catching up with it. You know, I would say functional medicine is a little more like Western medicine. It's kind of catching up, but the science is proving it, which makes it resonate for us as Americans because yeah. we need the science too. And then we have a generation that's really embracing wellness and prevention. And so now we're having this new consciousness come through that's really going to be I think a really good marriage between science and need and it's really getting people's attention. Yeah. So I've, I've seen your pharmacy kind of um, evolve over the past, what, seven, eight, 10 years. Um, tell me a little bit about how you got there and what kind of sparked that, um, I don't know, that, that passion that maybe we could be doing this better. So uh, at a pharmacy school, did you go to a uh, an independent pharmacy? Were were you kind of uh, in a situation where you could could really, you know, take those steps outside the normal bounds, or were you somewhere that you were kind of confined and you saw these problems and wanted to do more? I'm always curious, kind of how that spark ignites. Sure, it's my story's. You're right. It's been an evolution. Like there's never a stopping point to to evolving, right? And I, I actually came from the chain cloth, you know, I, I was, I, but when I, 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 my second job was in a pharmacy. So when I was 16 years old, I worked for a chain, but at that time they were smaller, they weren't terribly big. Um, yeah. And so 
it was a little more like an independent. And I grew up in that space and I just understood it more. Um, but there was a time where things were getting bigger and, you know, so going through school, I just was in that space of just looking at like pharmacy in general, like in, and every pharmacy school has sort of pathways and there was no independent pathway. There hardly ever is. This is why we, we started a residency program at Dilworth because we really wanted to get people involved early on. It's funny how you said that when it brought me back to college is my, my community rotation was in an independent pharmacy oh, wow. and they offered me a job right off the bat because I had experience. They loved who I was. I, they loved how I took care of patients. And it was this is where like at like the Asheville project and MTM was like barely a thing. And they were doing it and and subsidizing that pharmacist at the time. And it's like, had I taken that job back then, who knows what would have happened? It's like something the universe was trying to tell me like this is your path <laughs> and i totally ignored it for the carrot and the ease and so long story short i got tired of chain and i wanted to do better for my patients and so i just did the whole thing from scratch i went to ncpa did the whole business ownership thing it started to resonate with me read tons of books business plans started a pharmacy and it was pretty successful, but very early on, I started to realize the economics of pharmacy ownership and what we had been talking about, kind of the symptom resolution, but not really getting to something. Within the first couple of years of, of ownership, it's like something more is, we need to do something more for our patients and we need to do something more for the business. Like reimbursements, even at that point, 13, 14 years ago is how old we are, like you started to see it on the, and it's like, if this is going to be a real thing, we got to look. And so I just started connecting a few dots and people were asking me about nutritional products. And I, we all have like seven days worth of that in school. And it's like, right went to the, went to the first wholesaler, like trade show and just started asking questions. And that's how I met uh, the folks at Vinco, which is the supplement company who does our private label now, which is really successful is they asked me to, they're like, well, I'm like, how can I learn more? Like, that's where it was at that time. And so read books, started following like Jim Laval, who wrote Cracking the Metabolic Code, who I've now know personally, which is really cool, um, is started learning more about what we would call clinical nutrition, the, the science of supplementation and outcomes-based nutrition. And so that started the process of going, hmm, I can start working on people in a different way. And just over time, being in pharmacy so long, filling more and more pills for things that shouldn't be chronic became chronic. It's like sleeping right. meds. And that for me was like, well, there's got to be something else here. And so that why, answering that question, asking myself five whys each time, it's like interesting that – you know, we're taking that Sigma approach now in lots of things. And that was never the approach in pharmacy. So learning that from a very beginning space really started opening up my eyes and then having children and really wanting to bring them in to the world healthier and started reading books about things. And then it just brought me into that integrative health space. Then I started compounding it was a niche that I could sure. serve. Somebody would come with something that didn't exist. And that all of a sudden that became, well, what could I do with hormones? Cause people are asking, you know, and then that linked me to functional medicine as a pharmacist. And then I, I really decided to skip uh, over clinical nutrition and go to functional medicine because it was just, as soon as I got that little taste, I was like, this really sounds like there's something here. And so I, I went all in and had the ability to become functional medicine certified as a practitioner. And I believe this is how new it was five years ago. You know, it was, I was the ninth pharmacist to do that. You know, it was like, yeah, now, yeah. now I go to these conferences at Pioneer Connect and NCPA and it's like, there's a thing now, like there's pharmacists that are like in this pod of it's, it's bigger and you've seen it, right? It's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. We know what that word means now. And we're starting to see it 
creep into what we do into retail pharmacy, which has been my passion from day one once I did this, is how do we get this into pharmacy? Yeah, so I remember visiting your pharmacy years and years ago and and seeing that there was uh, you know, that spark there where it's like, yeah, this is you know, I, I'm going to see this guy again. <laughs> um, and, and I remember being at NCPA and, and seeing uh, when I was walking down one of the hallways, the first time that I saw your, your picture on, uh, on one of the uh, uh, easels walking through the hallway, I was like, yeah, all right, Josh. <laughs> it's come full circle. Now it's, it's like that is it's one of my three most important questions things i want to put a dent in the world on before i leave is change the way pharmacy is practiced like yeah. really and that's what we're talking about now from a from an industry perspective is we know dir fees and reimbursements are tanking like my top line revenues down 20% this year on rx no no reason whatsoever i have no idea my product mix is the same but Profit 20% on the top means if you stay the same margin, you're still 20% down, right? Or more. And so right. the writing's been on the wall for, for me for a long time. But now I think pharmacists are trying to, there's a financial burden more so that they got to start working on going beyond the pill. And that's that's our sort of new phrase now is what are we doing beyond? What are we doing beyond? What are we doing to diversify off that billable? And and traditionally, five maybe even five years ago, ninety five percent was RX in pharmacy. Right. So my goal is fifty percent or more to be on the off billable side. And so what's interesting is you know there's probably a pharmacist out there right now saying, yeah, it sounds like he's not really paying attention to his contracts and his DIR fees. And, you know, maybe there's more he could be doing, but really you are being actually read a great article about you the other day about um, DIR uh, mitigation through migration. Like you're hyper aware uh, of those issues and, and really being incredibly vigilant about combating those DIR fees and, and, and finding those win-win scenarios for your pharmacy and for your patients. Um, but you're right. That's a story that we're hearing over and over and over. It's it's even still not enough to kind of combat some of those changes in the reimbursement landscape. Yeah, I've I've taken that stand years ago. It's like I'm not going to wait for the law, the pro, the provider. The are we ever going to get the PBM to give us more money? Come on, we we understand it's their job. And so that squeeze of the margin to be the middleman, you know, if we were pharmacy only, it's like the worst business to get into because we have no control on pricing. Like I, I can charge a billion dollars, but they're going to give me what I get. And so there's always something to do on that side, but that shouldn't be everything. It's always a both and. And what you were said really resonated with me. We always try to do what's best for the patient and the pharmacy at the same time. So if I know a supplement that would be great for their synergy of their blood pressure or their diabetes or their blood sugar or whatever it might be, we're adding that to what we're already doing and we're giving them a better service, giving them synergy to their meds, nutrient depletion, whatever you want to call it, because we're doing, we're adding that revenue stream, but it's not for profit first. It's always been for me. You've known me for years. It's purpose over profit. And so if we if we look at it from the financial space, we have to diversify off script. Like there's no question, nobody, not, I don't know. I don't know of anybody, but you might be able to tell me like, they're just doing fine on script alone, right? There's no way. <laughs> right. And, and it's not giving, we have such a nice, wide open uh, what we can do with our license isn't just script, right? We can counsel on nutrition. We can counsel on lifestyle. We can counsel on supplements. We can sit them in an office space now and go beyond MTM. Medication therapy management is just the optimization piece. But all those other things we can bring into the fold. And that's been a challenge, right? Everyone wants to pay for something with the card. 
But if we're expressing a five to 10 X value on what we're giving our people, they shouldn't have a problem paying for it at that point. So that's, that's a great point. And, you know, that's one of the things that you can look in your own medicine cabinet and, and you can, you can make that, uh, that true, uh, no matter what market you're in, you know, um, one of the, one of the easy things to hide behind is that wouldn't work in our market, uh, because it is hard, but you know, at the end of the day, I can go buy a toothbrush for 99 cents, you know, and I have a Sonicare toothbrush that's, you know, hundred plus dollar toothbrush or whatever. Um, but when my uh, my kid went to his orthodontist after getting that Sonicare, his orthodontist was like, "Whoa, man! Best improvement on brushing goes to this kid." And, you know, there there is a notable difference. And so, you know, I wouldn't consider myself somebody who's going to make those uh, frivolous expenses and 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 spend you know a hundred and something dollars on something you could buy for ninety nine cents. But when you when you change your way of thinking and see that this is an investment in you know that that healthcare spend uh, and and it's going to yield some really positive outcomes, all of a sudden that's the best hundred and something dollars you could spend. It's so. all it's when you bring it to long term value, right? So there's two two things that you you came up with is when I've spoken you know nationally on the subject of wellness and 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 professional grade supplements or cash based model. That's the first question a pharmacist comes back is like, my patients won't pay for that. Well, who's have you asked them? Right. It's when I ask that question now, it's like, whose self-limiting belief is it? It's usually the pharmacist because they, we've been conditioned that the, the card pays for this. And we know that we don't want that, but the first step is, can you provide value to that patient that supersedes the cost? Because money is just an exchange of energy, right? It's just a currency is, a, is an exchange for, you know, this shirt I'm wearing or this desk that I bought. If this desk gives me more value than what I'm paying for it, but let's make our patients decide that first. Sure. Rather than us deciding it, because that's the story in our head. We all have them, right? I still have that problem. Oh my God, I'm $150 an hour to come sit with me. I always still have that little thing inside me. It says, so I've, I've worked at it over the years. So that's the first thing we got to answer. Whose problem really is it? And can we solve it and give them the value that they're supposed to? And when it comes to wellness, Will, I, I, this is the best analogy that I think anybody can ask their patient is if you owned a million dollar horse, what would you feed it? You'd feed it pretty well, wouldn't you? Sure, sure. You'd, you'd, you'd have the best shoes on it. It would have a trainer. It would be groomed. Well, why aren't we treating our own bodies like a million dollar body? It's the only one we have. So, I put wellness and education up on the highest priority for myself, not meaning meaningless things in this world. If we can treat our bodies like a million dollar horse, what does it matter if it's even a couple hundred dollars a month? They're getting it somewhere else if they value it. Trust me, like whether it's Orange Theory, Whole Foods, you know, if you eat organic, right, there's a, there's a cost difference, but you valued that. So we just have to be value proposition better for our patients and get them off the script just like we want them to, you know? And so I always love that analogy is just treat yourself like a million dollar horse and see what yeah. happens. <laughs> sure. Sure. So, you know, it's really when you look at where healthcare is spending all of their money, um, you know, a lot of it comes down to you know, it, adherence measures and five-star measures and, you know, all of the, the Part D uh, 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 rankings that are really centered around those major three priority disease states, you know, hypertension, diabetes, cholesterol, and all of those 
conditions seem like, you know, the inputs are huge factors and, and those, those output symptoms from those disease states where if, if you change the inputs, you can greatly change the output, it, it would seem. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, measuring the end result with adherence is just a reactive model, right? It's, it's if I can manage that symptom longer because the, pr the problem we have right now, and this is why metabolic disease and longevity are going to be the two big things going on that people are going to really put their money towards. And both of those are – we need to have a proactive model because you can't get to illness at 75 and then go, well, I think I'm going to go spend some money on longevity. You know, There's a reason blue zones, people live to 100, and it's not because they take medication. Right. There's community. It's food. It's all the things that really matter that we're not really talking about. And so looking at it from that perspective, it's how do we move more towards proactive results and getting those because insurance models have always been reactive. And so that's why it doesn't really mesh with the insurance model, even though Cleveland Clinic, I think, has done a really good study on the group visit model and functional medicine actually saving one more money than regular medicine. So we're getting there. We're getting to that group model. But I love from a, a cash-based model, though, keep it at a copay and see what happens. Like, don't spend $150. But if, if I could do one hour with 10 patients talking to them about the same thing, they're in a community. They're going to learn from their peers more than me. And I get to give them that wisdom then I can spread that price over 10 people and my hours much more valuable. And I don't, so keeping things in their mindset, they've been used to throwing a car down, paying 40, 50 bucks on a copay and spending money on their HSA. Well, we could do that on the cognitive side now. We just have to, we just have to ask. We have to get yeah. to that step. So I'm curious if you found um, that, you know, people value something that they pay for. Uh, and, and so, you know, if you were to have that consult and give that away for free, I don't know that it would be any more effective. Uh, I would argue it would possibly be less effective than if you had that skin in the game from the patient and, and that perceived value that comes with paying for something. hundred percent. It keeps them accountable. Like part of what they pay for is the accountability partner, right? If you pay, if you got a free gym membership, would you go? If you got yeah. free personal training, you wouldn't go. But as soon as you pay for it, prepay for it, what happens? You're stuck in there. Your mindset is, I paid for that. I need to get my money's worth. That's what's in our head. Right. And so I'm actually going to shift my health strategy sessions, which is really a, a free discovery call. I'm going to start charging for that next year because of the same thing. I'll give a free health strategy session to anybody to introduce them what we might be able to do or what I might be able to refer them for that goes beyond the pill. But even in those, it's like I'm giving them this awesome service for free and half the time they won't show up, they won't fill out the form. It's, it's I always like to say it's like buying a plane ticket. You don't reserve it and then pay for it when you fly. You have to reserve your space by paying for it and then you're going to show up. And if so, that's an easy win for me is like, hey, you're just you're 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 also you're also, you know, reserving my time, which is just as valuable as yours. You know, we should always treat each other as equals. And so I love that. I love that you're resonating with that, too, is like people do not value if you give it or cheap too. if I yeah. keep it to like. If it's a twenty dollar console, well. What are they going to get out of that? But if they it's it's funny how the, the human mind works is like the more expensive it is, the more you think it's valuable to you. No, and you, and you can see that and, you know, things that people take a lot of pride in, you know, you can see that in, you know, fashion and, and the, the sneaker game and, you know, so many different areas of, of real interest that, that people uh, find identity in and they focus on, you know, is, you know having that perceived value and and that limited edition vinyl record that they bought or those shoes that they paid, you know, X number of dollars for and anyone else in those circles kind of recognize that. And it's it's not a problem. It's a sense of pride. It's um 
you know, it can be a good thing. Yeah, we, we identify with stuff, right? We identify with that. And then how do you shift that value into making you better, making your wholeness better and being a better, having higher well-being and stuff like that? But we're on a shift in this, I think in the next three to five years, it's somewhere in that range, we're going to have more 65 and older folks than 18 and under. And mm-hmm. it's never it's never going to shift backwards from there. So we're going to have people wanting to live longer vibrantly, right? We don't want to just – my goal in this planet is to live as best as I can until I'm X date and then I just fall off. So I don't want to live sick and try to live longer. I want to – that's why <laughs> right. our, ta- our tagline is live better, stay well, right? So yeah. we want to make sure that – but that need, people are – I just had a conference call today. It's like these 55 and up places, these like active living empty nester places, they're not wanting to sit around and do nothing and feel bad about their stuff. It's they want to be active. They want to do these things. They want to enjoy life. And we have that opportunity in the community setting as pharmacists to do that. Yeah. I mean, you, you can see products that have really capitalized on that. Like the the Peloton bicycles are not the cheapest in the market. Um, but there's a, there's a following, there's, there's an attachment, there's a, they've touched something deeper in their consumers than just like, here's a, a product, but it's, here's a lifestyle you can, you can, uh, invest in yourself in. Yeah. People don't buy stuff. They buy emotion from emotion, right? If I could be that person, if, and COVID's taught us really good lessons here, you know, we're we're sitting here doing a podcast virtually. You sent me all the equipment. We can do this thing now. So I'm we're embracing a digital virtual presence to the pharmacy because why why does it have to be a community pharmacy? Why can't what I say be valuable to anybody anywhere, which is possible? I can consult them. We can sell them supplements and do an online dispensary for that. Like there's so many parts where our reach for who we are can now be greater. And we're really, we're really pushing towards that for 2022 and beyond. Yeah. I, that's one of the things I found during COVID is that, you know, there's a lot of news out there and there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of, uh, you know, you know, playing the, 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 the scenario for political, lean and, you know, a lot of fear and uh, misinformation. One of the things that I really enjoyed during COVID was the accessibility of trusted uh, pharmacists that were available on Facebook who were just, you know, going live once a week saying, you know, here's here's what what's going on. Here's what we're doing in our community. And, and it was really comforting to, you know, see those pharmacy leaders that were so accessible and, and so, um, you know, uh, just there ever presently making a difference in a virtual community. So it, it was kind of a neat shift. And and we've been really, we've been trained for no labs. We've been trained not to touch and manipulate patients as pharmacists. It's sort of like, this is a perfect space for us to embrace digital. This is, I literally, I'm, I'm fortunate. I have a really good operations team, but I could work from my office here at home doing consultations, figuring out how to, manipulate and, and and guide people and do the things I need to do from a virtual setting. And everyone's so used to that now. So it's, yeah. I, we're, we're, so we're doing virtual wellness uh, programs that are group based that are all virtual. And so we can we can embrace this time instead of trying to get I always think from from now until whenever I stopped trying to get back to pre-COVID times. I'm just moving forward with post-COVID stuff. Like even with the RX revenue, we kept like working towards when are we going to get back to blank? When are we going to get back to blank? And I caught myself going, well, that's a lack mentality. Why should we be looking backwards? Let's just keep looking forward. If this is what it is today, let's just move it forward and see what happens. And so having that mindset for me has been really a game changer and the same other thing with COVID is I think we got COVID sloppy. Like COVID's always the excuse of why we can't do blank or blank. It's like, and 
I think we just need to get out of COVID sloppy and just keep moving. Like, I think we've gotten a little sloppy with, you know, it's kind of like you could dress up for an online podcast, but you don't see me from the ground zero, right? <laughs> but I'm wearing the nice jeans. I'm good. Like, COVID sloppy says, well, I can wear PJs and I can consult my patient if, as long as they can see my head. It's like, let's get out of that mentality because it is an energy shift for me. And I think once we do that with our patients, we do it with the store, clean it up, get ready for what's coming next. And it's it's been fun. It's been a good ride for us. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's take it back in the front door of your pharmacy here and kind of get granular about what makes that experience different for one of your patients. So when a patient walks into your front door, your your retail area and your pharmacy automatically feels like there's someplace um, that maybe they haven't been before. It's a it's a kind of a different landscape than your normal uh, retail pharmacy. So tell me a little bit about the retail side, the first impressions when a patient walks in. Yeah, well, we're for, for those of us that are our age, it's an old blockbuster building. I don't know if some of the younger folks know what that is anymore, but it was a video store. Uh, we're in two thirds of the space. You walk in, but when we remodeled the space, we really wanted to have an elegant feel, but also now we're even shifting more towards What's what is the patient the motion right? They're they're buying emotion. So my goal is for the the feel of the store to be a wellness destination, not a sickness destination. So we're really trying to continue to compress down the the look and feel of the pharmacy and becoming more open and and vibrant from that perspective. So eighty percent of our front store is not typical pharmacy. It's and when I say that, it's like over the counter. 12 SKUs of ibuprofen, like we've, we've narrowed that down so we can really have, well, what do our patients need from a wellness perspective, not a sickness perspective, but at the same time, knowing who we are, we're, but we are a pharmacy and wellness center. So if my revenue goals or profitability goals are more wellness than pharmacy, more wellness than sickness, my front store should feel that way as well. So we're we're actually, you hadn't seen us in a little bit of a while, but we've painted the store and we're really trying to clean and declutter things and really just make that energy shift. We, we put in music into the store that's really calming and soothing to give that cycle, like unconscious vibe coming in that I'm coming here to be well. And that's really, really important to me. Yeah. So I was in a pharmacy years ago and I walked in and they had these tags uh, within each section that said, you know, pharmacist recommended. Uh, because one of the things that they found was patients would come in and there's 10 different cough syrups here, you know, what what do you recommend? Okay. Well, you know, here's the pharmacist recommended. And obviously those SKUs had a big boost in, uh, in turns. Um, but why do you need all those other ones on the shelf? You know, you can, you can take the ones that you found, uh, have, have the best results for your patients and then use that other space, uh, to, to find new ways to, to offer those over the counter solutions. Yeah. The, the riches are in the niches. Right. And so yeah. <laughs> for me, it's like, they're going to price shop Amazon on half of that stuff anyway. Right there. If they're on a big bottle of ibuprofen, it's only two clicks to get anything in two days or less. So what differentiates us is, well, you might come here for ibuprofen, but Josh recommends tag says he likes this wellness nutraceutical that's going to be complementary to that. And so what can I be offering? What can we be offering our, our customers, our clients, our patients that's us only, right? Of course. So professional grade supplements. So they don't source it from Amazon. Doing a private label keeps them close to you, keeps them coming to you because they 80% of what we recommend, like you said, is 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 what our patients will take. Well, that gives because they know, like, and trust us. That's who they do business with pharmacy-wise. So why can't we bring that into the fold? And whatever that community is looking for to keep them more whole, let better well-being, there's room for that. We don't need room for cards anymore. Nobody, nobody needs that, right? So let's change the front to represent more of that beyond the pill approach 
so we can do better for our patients and the business at the same time. So when you do have a patient who walks in, let's say I have a a new prescription that I'm I'm bringing to, you know, maybe I'm new to the area first time. This is the the pharmacy that I found in my, you know, geographical uh, footprint, so that's where I'm going. So I come to your pharmacy with a prescription and how do how do you kind of onboard that new patient to a different way of thinking, a different experience than they've had? Again, evolution, right? So we've we have a new patient process, and the, of course, the the traditional way is to get all their demographic information, their insurance card. Um, we're really moving towards that, like what can we be doing that's beyond the pill? So we've got a thirty second elevator speech that we're I, I kind of charge each person in our store to have some level of version of that that says, hey, we're a pharmacy, but we're also wellness. We go beyond the pill. What does that mean? Right. And so let's talk to them a little bit about in your condition. And and so moving that forward is we want to get their email and we want to put them in some level of following us, whether it's a welcome email with a video that that I can tell them a little bit more because everyone's busy. Right. But if, if I give them that one email that they read the video, they see the video, see a little bit about what Dilworth is, introduce them into that fold, and then allow them to opt in or opt out of following that, we can do all sorts of sequences now with patients. If they click one thing, they do this thing. So again, embracing digital, but also keeping it easy and, and manageable to what people expect because I, I like nothing more than being out front talking to people and say, welcome, we're a little different and this is why. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about your team um, because to have your technicians, to have your pharmacists kind of perform, you know, as, um, as something different, uh, you know, you really, you really have to have a lot of buy-in. You, you, you really need to lean on, on those core values as a team. So how do you, how do you get that by and how do you, how do you kind of bring them into the fold? Well, we have a vision traction organizer. We, we adopt the, the system of EOS entrepreneurial operating system to really define our core values as a company. And so first, first week or two onboarding a new, a new uh, employee, they're going to get a 30 minute to an hour with me to really go over that space. Like, you know, live life vibrantly well, we have each other's back, always wear a smile, show people that you care. Those are our core values. So if they don't exhibit that behavior, then they're not gonna make it 90 days at Dilworth. And so we kind of teach them up front. They, they always self-select out. I don't really know how many times <laughs> I've had to let go someone because we hire them. We say, you have a 30 day, you have a 90 day trial with us. And it's to see if you're a good fit for us and if we're a good fit for you. Um, what we've changed for 2022 or we're, we're embracing is what was your beyond the pill activity today? And let them decide once they have some parameters around it, because if we're just filling and billing in Rx or anywhere else, they're not living to our standard. And so that's what's been really what I think is going to be really focused in on that day-to-day -day behavior that exhibits that one metric. And if we can, we can track that metric through, through our KPIs and our scorecard and stuff like that, but really having people and process in place, that's really going to help move that forward. But we, we, we had that meeting last week. It's that very, that simple is like, we can go back and like, at least X amount of behaviors per day that went beyond the pill. And then that's, that's an easy man, manner for an employee to get. And it, that just takes rep, rep, repetition. Yeah. So if, if I go to your website, you have a lot of kind of enhanced services that you offer. Uh, one of those, of course, being functional wellness, you know, that focus on nutrient depletion, um, you guys are also doing the pharmaco, uh, pharmacogenomic testing. Tell me a little bit about that and where you kind of see Dilworth focusing, you know, in a, in a couple of years down the road. Yeah. Um, like I said, we're developing our programming for signature wellness programs. So 
six to 10 week programs that we're going to do group visit models virtually. So that's my big charge this year to we're, we're, re, we're branding that entity right now because I think it's a bigger reach than Dilworth. Um, really defining what where the line is between what we would call clinical services and functional wellness. I really feel strongly that the metabolic space is where pharmacists and what we can also really start helping patients on that cardiometabolic kind of thing where we, you know, pre-diabetes is going to be diabetes. It's going to be obesity. Like we know all those things are pretty, but it's not weight loss. It's fat loss. It's managing blood sugar through food the right way and, and really starting honing in on that nutritional piece. Personally, I think my passion, because probably I'm my own avatar, I'm my own best customer, but like really managing stress and looking at how we can really look at that piece and all the different manifestations of what stress brings, because that to me is the root root cause of 90% of chronic illness. And so I'm developing a stress and well-being program and really looking at that type of stuff and embracing uh, precision medicine, I think, is another really big hot topic. Um, I've got a connection with a new DNA test that's coming out that's going to be wildly awesome. It, it really focuses on the wellness side of you and your own DNA. So if you could imagine doing a spit test, getting the results, a really intuitive 80-page document for Will that says, based on my genetics, here's the stuff that I could do that were going to help me with lifestyle and nutritional products that's going to give me better wellness and better well-being. I think it's going to be a real no-brainer. It's very similar to pharmacogenetic. It's like, take this test, tell me what's good, tell me what's bad. Well, we can do that now with your DNA and what supplements to take based on your DNA and also what lifestyle things you should be looking at, whether it's stress, sleep, mood, cardiometabolic, environmental toxins, all those types of things. And we've created a, a process now that we can be able to duplicate that's going to give people, people like the precision piece because well, all precision medicine is is personalization. And that's what we can do and deliver uh, for our patients that Amazon's never going to touch. Amazon pharmacy's there, but they're just going to keep dispensing pills because they can do it cheap. There's no personalization. That's why we compound. That's why we check DNA. That's why we can do functional and point-of-care testing. All that stuff's reasonably easy to learn and figure out if you just put your energy there. Yeah. Yeah, and I think right now that's such a a big part of – you know, what drives consumer spending and consumer identity is, is that personalization. Like I, I don't just want the new iPhone. I want the new iPhone in the personalized color. It, you know, that, that, uh, that kind of emphasis on, you know, personal, uh, personal touches has never been more, uh, prevalent than now, I think. But when you have, you know, 50 different things you're doing here, you're offering, you know, a body mass index or a nutritional consult or, a, you know, a, all these different labs and looking at nutrient depletion. Um, have you found that it's difficult to kind of, you know, have that menu option available or it sounds like you've kind of organized, hey, sign up for this program and we just kind of bring all these services for you instead of trying to sell an a la carte selection. Yeah, I think that that came over an evolution as as you learn more, you can put more in your arsenal, right? And so again, for us, it got it it gets clunky, it gets a little cluttered and and so we're rebranding the website. We're rebranding things to get it to what are we all about and how do I engage with you and how do I make it simple? And so having these simple signature programs that are food-based, lifestyle-based, very little supplements, some supplements, and then everybody likes add-ons, right? So if I'm having, if I get someone in there and it's like, hey, you really like that personalization, let's do the DNA test and really personalize it. So there's some part where everybody gets everything and another part where we can, we can always personalize it. We, we, Community pharmacy has been really good at personal service. We've been really personal and friendly. That's how we rebranded ourselves when you came into our store the first time. And we were personal and friendly service. Now, it, yeah. now it's shifting to personalization. And that's what's really important is 
but you don't have to go concierge all the way out there. It's like, what can we do that simple makes that 80, 20 rule approach? It's like 80% can be real easy does or simple doesn't mean it's easy, but then we can add, well, if your specific circumstance needs a, you know, gut check or some, you know, food sensitivity test or a DNA test that comes up in the conversation. We just want people to kind of follow and go through it and not throw too much at them. They've been stressed for two years. They're figuring stuff out. Let's keep it simple and let's keep it reasonable. And let's see if we can get the heavy hitters done first, changing behaviors, changing habits, getting them to breathe better, getting them to sleep better, getting them to meditate a little bit. Like those are things that we can all do for free and they make profound impact on your health. Again, you just got to put your focus and your energy there. And that's why synchronization and all those things that like Pioneer helps us with is like we make the script piece easy so we can do more. It wasn't just so we can sit back and enjoy the fruits of our right. labor because that ain't happening anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. The more efficient that your pharmacy can can do those kind of you know, expected tasks, the more, uh, the more free time you have to do all of those super exciting things. And so we see that like with MTM, what, what's exciting about that is that like, it seems like payers realized there's room for us to build in reimbursement for spending time with patients. There's value in that. And that's going to improve our patients' outcomes. So that's what's really exciting about MTMs on on, on a, a deeper level is that they've already kind of acknowledged that that your approach is worth investing in um, on, a, on a small scale. But wh- where do you see that moving forward? Do you see do you see more emphasis on that not only with sharing the cost from the patient, maybe with, you know, uh, you know, self-insured, maybe with, you know, employers and then on up the scale to the actual third party payers. Well, that's that's the evolution, right? You grab the people that are going to value it first, like early adopters, right? When you buy a new car before the recalls come out, you've been the fr- like the Ford Bronco is a great example. Like people just wanted it. So they went first. Yep. There's always that person. That's the cash model we're in. But yes, there's a code like billable codes are coming, but I'm not ready to wait to billable happens yet. So we're embracing that first. But to get the masses in our society ready, yeah, there's a health coaching uh, billable code now. So if we can become health coaches, we can start billing at some point soon. So that's on the precipice. We've learned that MTM and all these other things are it's like that low hanging fruit, those little billables, that's what's coming. That's, I'm fortunate, I'm on the, NCPA has a developing opportunities uh, committee. And so there's a pharmacist, a couple pharmacists, like 14 of us that are looking at this from a national perspective of where, when does the billable come and when are we gonna be ready to embrace that? And then you can go to private, payers, like people that are going to be self-insured employers of 50 or less, right? You can go in there, you can do an employee wellness program because they're going to save money on the other side and they're really interested in that. So you've got these segments where you can go find it. You just got to put that that effort in. It's not just cash. The billables are coming, but people listening to this, I don't want them to be like, well, let's just wait and see what someone else does before we do it. Let's try stuff. But can I, again, can I keep it close to a billable copay and see what happens? But we got to scale that up in some way to, to like, from a standpoint of like, well, I got to I gotta see five to 10 people at a clip maybe to get that working, but it's still possible. But the that's what's going to gain the most traction is once we get the payer system understanding our, again, it's value, right? pharmacists or what it's like 16 to one value on the dollar for every dollar they spend they're saving this once they start to shift oh well this is why we've we've done all these programs with flip the pharmacy and doing all these things um, to really looking at these programs to give value on cognitive side so it's coming it's not it's it's a momentum shift and that's what was really big and important for us and now i'm i'm like I said, for me, maybe I'm just different than others. I'm not waiting to embrace that 
before I can show people my value because we're, we're on this planet for just a short period of time. Like the time is now to do some difference. We are coming out of COVID at some point. What could we be doing with our customers, our patient base to giving them value today and then embracing what happens in the future, right? When that, when that billable comes, it's just going to skyrocket into just imagine with technology, like scripts will be like a fulfillment center somewhere. You'll get the scripts, it'll be synced in and you'll get this little box. But what are we going to do as providers if we don't have to do the script? Like automation is going to take that. AI is going to take that at some point, you know? Yeah, and it's you know it's such a it, that aspect of it is such a a deliverable commodity that that can be dispensed in any number of ways. But that that value and and that analysis and and that that time and that personal care uh, is definitely you know something that can't be automated. Um, and when you look at you know lever leveraging technology to improve that care, you know that provides efficiencies, but, uh, and, and it provides you the mechanism for that billable opportunity. But, you know, there's, there's no way to take that, uh, that, that clinical profession out of that. So, um, it's really interesting to see where that's, where that's going to go in the next, next few years. But like, like you said, it really depends on pharmacist being out there creating those use case scenarios that can be referenced to say this is feasible, billable, possible, and and worth your investment. Yeah, we can capture data now, like in our pharmacy software. So we can capture biometrics. We can use tools with that. There are all sorts of biohacking tools now. It's continuous glucose monitors, aura rings, you name it. We can track stuff now and we can link into that stuff so we can say, this thing that I did, this behavior, this cognitive service changed A1C, cholesterol, sleep patterns, whatever it might, whatever we want to look at. HRV, huge for me, heart rate variability, that's a big one for stress. And so now we can track it with a ring or a band, and we can also work on it through biofeedback techniques that we can learn pretty easily as providers and we can really make a difference in these people's lives that go again goes beyond the prescription that they came in for that's like pharmacy is like a lead generating magnet now it's like they're coming in for the script that's never going to change but what are they coming out of when they come out right yeah i love that's my sweet spot is like they come in they come for the script and we give them, whether it's a service, point of care, supplements, they, it's not about spending money, but it's the best feeling is when they spend a couple hundred bucks and they feel like a million dollars because they know emotionally they were taken care of. And then we made good money on it, but all we were doing was giving them value. And so it's like this win-win. It was like, ah, oh, that felt good, didn't it? And we celebrate that. And it's like, or they could have just came in for the script, paid their $3 copay and left, and nobody gets energetically like excited about that, you know? But then when right. it's that win-win with the patient, and they, they have, how many times have you been cross-selled on something that you loved, and you, you walked out, and you're like, oh, I spent way more than I thought, but it was all worth it, you know? And then you're like, you just feel like that. We can do that. It just takes time. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely stores that I go in and spend far too much, <laughs> uh, and and I'm excited about it, you know. And then uh, I, I never get excited when I when I pay my my cell phone bill, you know. That's it, it's in a completely different bucket. Um, I want to spend my money on those exciting things, and that's really cool. That Dilworth Drug is kind of fitting into that bucket and making making that bucket an exciting way to spend and invest in yourself. It's it's an exciting way to look at healthcare. And transform people's lives in the in the time. Like it's like, oh, I did that. That they that's the real feedback you get. Most people aren't really like, thanks for the pill, you know, thanks for <laughs> keeping me thanks for keeping me off the dead scale. You know, it's like, no, no, no. Let's let's keep you vibrant. That word vibrant is really important for me in health, right? Yeah. It can be healthy, but if we're vibrantly healthy, it changes the dynamic, and that's what we're all about, and that's what we all should be all about. That's funny. I think when when you first came on today, that's that's what I said. I was like, Josh, you look vibrant and, and happy and, and fantastic today. It's great to see you. 
so that was that was cool because I love that word and I use it all the time and it wasn't it wasn't pre-populated. You actually came, so I feel I feel like I I'm walking the walk then. So that's good. All right. Well, we're about out of time. Thanks so much for joining us. Hope to have you on again. Hope to see you at Connect very soon. Yep. And uh, hopefully we'll cross paths before then. Now that um, we're we're back in the new normal, where we're traveling a bit. So. Yeah, that was good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Scripts, presented by the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please support our channel by liking, subscribing, and clicking the notification bell so that you'll be notified anytime we post new content. To stay up to date with all of the latest independent pharmacy news and content, follow Pioneer RX on your preferred social media platform. 